The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network. The Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hello, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. There's no better way to troll your Trump supporter friends than by picking up Bubble Genius's own tiny orange hand soap set. Give yourself a hand or take two. They're small, tiny in fact. Teeny tiny. They're orange, of course, and smells appropriately of circus peanuts in honor of the GOP's clown dictator. Am I right, folks? Only $12 at BubbleGenius.com, but if you use our promo code Bob and Chez at checkout, you'll get an additional 15% off only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com, with Bob Seska and Chez Pazienza. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. Okay, I don't know what... Whatever it is, it's not right on a teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. No, there it is. We are going to do Sting, yeah. Okay, but... Okay. This, yeah, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. Okay. Honey? Sure. There's yeah. no words there to play us out. What does that mean, to play us out? It's, it's Sting is going to do... It's a video. Sting video. What is for credits? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Okay. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. No. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. The best music on the best station. Says who? The Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. It is Thursday. February 23, 2017, and this is the Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob Seska, and that is Chez Pazienza doing it live, right over there. We'll do it live! I've, I've always said that as a producer, if somebody, I don't give a <laughs> who you are, yelled at my floor crew like that. Yeah, I know. Uh, and he doesn't know what it means to play us yeah, out. He doesn't mean he doesn't know what it means to play us out. <laughs> he has no idea what that concept means. What is to play us out? We'll do it live! Oh, God, Bill O'Reilly. National treasure, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly. Uh, about uh, a mere fraction of the man that uh, Alan Combs was. Um, and th that's not why I played the Bill O'Reilly thing, of course. But Alan Combs uh, evidently died yesterday, uh, age 66 years old. And I, I actually well, knew. Sean, Sean Hannity will go on to live to be like 112. I know. There's something so horrendous about the fact that Alan Combs is gone, but yet Sean Hannity and Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly and... We'll do it live! F*** 
Uh, yeah. The whole rogues gallery and Coulter, they're all still with us somehow. Somehow. Dick Cheney. Somehow Dick Cheney is still alive. <laughs> There's no justice in the world, is there? But uh, Alan Combs is gone. Uh, he's battling an illness, I assume cancer, probably, over the last several months. I mean, so much so, he was so sick that uh, I think Hannity pre-recorded his uh, farewell address to to Sean uh, to Alan Combs. Uh, it was pre-recorded earlier, before Alan Combs died, and then they aired it this morning. Uh, Bill Hemmer played it. It was sort of like one of those... Cando uh, bit. Yeah, like the Tom, Tom Brokaw. Gerald Ford dead today at the senseless age of 89. Yeah, by the way, just to demystify television, network television for all of you nice people out there, there is an entire file at like every every TV news network of those. (laughs) So so weird. I remember remember hearing, you know, like like we would put it in in anchor schedules that every once in a while they'd have to record, they'd have to voice, uh, do uh, voice tracks for like two or three obits. Oh, let's, uh, you know, let's do this one. Never know when he's going to (laughs) go. Yeah. And it was so perfectly parodied with that Dana Carvey sketch from SNL where he's playing Tom Brokaw and they're pre-recording all of the Gerald Ford death messages. Gerald Ford dead today. Eaten by a bear. See, if I were Brokaw, I would I would track my own obit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> track so, my own canned obit. Tom, Tom Brokaw. Brokaw was a, a fine newsman. <laughs> Tom Brokaw dead today at the census age of ninety four. Tom Brokaw, by the way, the last time I saw him on MSNBC, not sounding good. So yeah, maybe he does. better work on that one. Maybe you better get going. But, you know, I had a, uh, a a kind of a maybe a two or three year ongoing chit chat with Alan Combs via email. And uh, I, I've never actually met him in person or anything like that. But certainly seemed like the kind of guy who would have a chit chat. Yeah, he's definitely a chit chat guy. In fact, just about once a week. And I God, I feel bad about this. But for the longest time, I was cross posting all of my daily banter articles over at Liberal Land, of course, with Ben Cohen's permission. And uh, and if, and I think Ben was also cross posting some things with Alan Combs over at uh, over at Alan's site, Alan.com. And which, by the way, Alan registered that domain name in 1992. 1992, he grabbed up Alan.com. That was really, I thought that was really smart and savvy of him. But nevertheless, so I had this ongoing uh, communication with him. And about once a week, I would get an email from Alan Combs that would say, Is there any reason why I can't have your Hillary piece from yesterday? <laughs> it's just like questions like that. Like, Get on the ball, Seska. You should be cross-posting this shit on my site, and you haven't yet. Why isn't it on my site yet? And But it was always done in a polite way. It was always like, is there any reason why I can't have your Obamacare article that you wrote yesterday and haven't posted on my site yet like an idiot? <laughs> so I would get one of those. I, I feel bad about that, because what would end up happening is I would... I would post something over a daily band. And you know what it's like, Jazz. You know what it's like. Once you get that article, once you shit out that article and you get the headline up and you get the artwork in there and you do all the promotional stuff on Facebook and Twitter, that's it. You're spent. You don't feel like doing anything else with the article after that. Oh, yeah. Like one of my least favorite things about, about <laughs> writing the piece. And, and it's like there are times when I'm, you know, Taryn and I are getting ready to go out or something like that. And I'm like, I'm done. 
She's like, well, why are you still sitting there? Because I have to put it at four places on Facebook, and then yeah. I have to put it on Twitter, and I have to do this. And, you know, right. Okay. It was like the last thing was always getting the uh, the article posted at Alan Combs' website, and I have to go over there and copy and paste and do the formatting and then do the click to continue reading that would redirect people back to the Daily Banter. And so that was always a pain in the neck. So every once in a while, I would just skip out on it. But Alan was always right on top of that. He's like, I just saw you posted something about the environment yesterday. Why can't I have that on my site? And it's just like always I'm having to write back to Alan Combs and say, oh, my God, Alan, I'm so sorry. I, I totally forgot. I totally forgot. <laughs> In fact, the real answer was, I'm sorry, Alan. I'm way too lazy. That was really what I was thinking. But I'm going, ah, I forgot. E. Sorry about that. But I think the real lesson, the real takeaway from Alan Combs's career, but I don't know if you know this, he started out as a stand-up comedian and a pretty funny one at that in New wow, York City. Wow, really? Yeah. No, you're right. I never would have guessed that. <laughs> never. But uh, I mean, the thing with the thing with Alan is that he uh, he was never afraid to walk into the lion's den. I mean, he was never afraid to just face down the opposition. And never flinch doing that. I think he always got a bum rap as being like the spindly, easy to like this the spindly tomato can. You know, the guy who the the conservatives on Fox News could easily steamroll. But actually, you know, I do I do I admit that uh, you know, and I'm certainly not. I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but I always felt that way about him. I always did feel like he was. You know, you had especially on his show, he was such a, for lack of a better term, pencil neck. Yeah, that's and, true. and I don't yeah. and I don't mean that as an insult. I, I, I mean that as in as in he looked like the caricature of what a conservative person thinks a liberal yeah, person yes, is. That's right. If Donald Trump were to draw on one of his executive he orders, be, a picture. he would be. Yeah, he's the guy who Donald Trump could beat up for his lunch money on the playground. Yep, that's exactly right. And uh, and in that regard, visual and visuals mean something on television. Optics matter. And. Alan Combs didn't necessarily have that bulldog look about him, but he did. The guy was sharp. I mean, he could, I mean, if you really actually listen to what he was saying, he was really forceful and actually really kind of turned the tables on Hannity on many, many occasions. And in fact, I think the last time I saw him on Fox News Channel, he was doing, there was some sort of town hall and Hannity was hosting and Alan was one of the panelists and Alan gave it just as good as he got it. And maybe even better in some ways, because the guy was super smart. And, you know, with all of that stand up comedy training in his background, uh, he was able to uh, to really stick it to them. So uh, there's really a lesson there. And even if he wasn't um, so great on Fox News Channel, which he was, he was always really sharp. He uh, he he didn't mind. I mean, he just went in, fought the opposition, did as best he could and. And really kind of came out on top in a lot of occasions. But it's really the idea that he wasn't afraid to take on Hannity. He wasn't afraid to take on Fox News conservatives like Bill O'Reilly. And in fact, on many occasions, Bill O'Reilly screamed him down. Well, do it live! I don't think Alan Cole, I I don't think Sean Hannity ever did this, but Bill O'Reilly on O'Reilly's show, I saw a clip this morning, just screaming down Alan Combs. Of course, Alan Combs got that look on his face, just that sort of bemused grin. Yeah. Uh, with his glasses and, you know, it just like uh, this was a guy who wasn't afraid to, to deal with that kind of crap. So that, I think there's a valuable lesson in that. So safe home to uh, Alan Combs. All right. And so. I think it's I think it's interesting and I think it's worth mentioning, by the way, that uh, 
you know, Sean, Sean Hannity's comments about him were, were very heartfelt. They were very nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it in much the same way that there are conservatives who are willing to embrace black people they know mm-hmm. and yet can look at black people as a whole and just not understand them. Yeah. Or just or just have this sort of distrust or or outright distaste for them. That's right. Um, it bothered me in a, in a way like I'm like, you know what, Sean, you jag off. I get that this is where your bread and butter is with stirring up the idiots. But mm-hmm. why in the hell can't you look at everybody who disagrees with you and say, look, if you're operating in good faith and, you know, you benefit of the doubt, then, you know, you're not the enemy enemy, you yeah. know, but, but it's impossible. Yeah. Everything is so polarizing. Now. Well, yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to go off on my usual Sean Hannity rant, but I, the thing about Sean Hannity is I don't I don't buy that he's believing a word that's coming out of his mouth. I don't I don't know, man. I've heard that he's really not like not smart enough to know the difference. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean the- he's certainly among everyone at at, at uh Fox. He is basically a talking points machine. Exactly. That's all he is. Yeah. That is all he is a faithful, he is a faithful lapdog to whoever he deems to be, you know, his conservative hero or the Republican Party in general. Yeah, and in fact that's a good way to segue over to uh to Donald Trump because Donald Trump tweeted something the other day about uh some sort of collusion. What was the what was the I'm trying to find the tweet here, kind of implying some kind of collusion between uh, the media and uh, and and liberal protesters, something to that effect, and in- insisting that this was not what the founders intended. Uh, there was something something along those lines, and I'm desperately trying to find that actual uh, that actual tweet here. But the the thing, the funny thing about that is that Donald Trump actually needs that in order to function. The the collusion between his own people. And the press is happening every damn day simply to keep him out of Twitter, <laughs> to keep him from uh, from tweeting too much. It is yeah, this is no, absolutely exactly. remarkable. They have to actually handle Donald Trump so that Donald Trump doesn't embarrass himself and they, everybody else. They have to. They had to, according to the report. They what they would do is they would actually try to interact with uh, with outlets like Fox News to get them to provide more positive coverage, as if you need to talk to Fox News about providing positive coverage to Donald Trump. <laughs> right. Uh, because they needed, he needed the praise. Yep. So they would, yeah, they would, they, would not only, they would not only filter what he sees so that he got praise, they would actually speak to, you know, they would try to work with, uh, their people would try to work with Fox News, with talk radio, whatever, to make sure that they were giving him praise. Because this is the goddamn lunatic that we put in the White House. Just because he's got to feel good about himself. So that's what, that's what they're doing. They're just planting crap in the press, in the favorable press, in the happy, you know... <laughs> pro-Trump press so that Trump will see it and not want to tweet angry, ridiculous things on Twitter. That is amazing. That is ama- That is like that is like a little child who needs a timeout. That's like, you know what that's like? That's like those kids you see in the mall where their parents have to use a leash on them, like a harness and a leash to walk around <laughs> with them. Yeah, um, uh, Ezra Klein published a really good piece at, uh, at Vox where, yeah. uh, where he talks about how the, the truly dangerous Trump is not the one when he's winning or he thinks he's winning. It's when he's failing. Yeah. It's when he's not getting praise. It's when he's not getting what he wants that he lashes out. 
And that's what I mean. Again, that's like a petulant, spoiled bully of a child. It's like schoolyard behavior. Like, okay, Donald Trump didn't get his uh, his cupcake after lunch today in his bag lunch. So you know what he's going to do? He's going to beat up three kids. So we have to make sure that uh, he feels good about it. Let's get him a cupcake. Someone get him a cupcake quick, or else there's going to be blood on the playground. You know, it's just like it's so goddamn ridiculous. And this is and the have article. You reached, have you reached burnout level at any point lately? Are you already there? Because I'm getting close. I'm, I'm a little bit there. And, I, and I'll tell you I, what. Because my, my issue is we're hearing all about all about this, but what do we actually do about it? I mean, the Republicans essentially just, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but mm-hmm. the Republicans essentially are shutting down investigations. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's beating your head with a phone book here's over the, and over again. Here's the problem, and they made this point on, uh, on MSNBC last night. They did sort of a uh, one-month-in retrospective on MSNBC, and hosted by, I think, Brian Williams. And one of the things they were looking at is Donald Trump's poll numbers. And while his poll numbers are super low overall, I mean, historically low, the problem is, is that he's quite popular. He's quite popular among Republicans. I mean, just as popular as, as any previous Republican president at this stage. That's the problem with getting him out, because as Republican lawmakers see these numbers coming through, they're going, well, we can't oppose this guy because look at all these Republicans who love him. And there's another aspect to all of this, which is a resumption of the normalization of Trump. And that was something I've been observing the last few nights and certainly over the weekend. And I have a few observations about that to make uh, after we take a short break. But it's getting to that point where no one who needs to be seeing what we're all observing is actually seeing it. And, you know, just to give you a preview of what I'm about to say with regard, and it's going to have to do with MSNBC, for God's sake. But... You know, I just was expecting everybody on MSNBC for that whatever hour-long special they did uh, looking back in the, uh, into Trump's first month to just be going continuously, what the f*** is this? I mean, I, I keep going back to that. That's like yeah. a refrain for me. What the f*** is this? Because you know what I keep hearing? You know whose voice I keep hearing in my head and it scares the hell out of me? Mm. David Frum's. Yeah. Because that, again, that piece he wrote about the rise of an authoritarian government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the picture that he painted was eventually we just, you know, no one ever truly, because of all the, the posturing and all of the stonewalling, nobody ever truly connects Trump to Russia so it goes away. Yeah. And then we just deal with it. Then we just sit back and let the horror wash over us, and that's it. We just, we become we become comfortable in being uncomfortable. By the way, it wasn't... <laughs> I'm such an idiot. It turns out that it wasn't Donald Trump who tweeted about the media and the founders. It was Bill O'Reilly. Well, do it live. Fuck it. It was Bill, Bill O'Reilly. Lovely. He tweeted. He tweeted. Is the press really free and objective, or is it associated with a political party? If so, that's a violation of what the founders intended. And then, of course, he signs his tweets. B O apostrophe R. <laughs> like a like an arrogant bastard, like the arrogant bastard that he is. It's like William Shatner used to sign all of his tweets. Best Bill. <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, but yeah, that so that's that's uh, really uh, ironic, given the fact that Fox News Channel is actually helping to corral Donald Trump's Twitter habits. And the fact that routinely Fox News Channel, this is one of the reasons why I went down this road, Fox News Channel has read verbatim uh, RNC talking points. RNC press releases. Oh, yeah, of course. They've, they've created entire on-screen graphics based around Republican Party talking, talking points that actually include the typos 
from the original page of Republican talking points. That's how egregious it is. Okay, so we're going to take a short break, talk about Harry's Razors. And when we come back, I got to go off on MSNBC because uh, they really irritated me uh, on Saturday and then again last night. So we'll talk about that in a second. But time to do some shaving. I love Harry's Razors. You know I do. Always make sure to get a uh, clean, close shave before we do a new podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. At least at least Tuesdays and Thursdays, you've got a great shave. It's sort of like a tradition for me. A smooth, clean shave from a blade that glides like butter and comes right to my door at half the cost of the big-name brands. That's what I love about shaving with products from Harry's. From the hefty, balanced handle that fits your hand to the precision-engineered five-blade cartridges that come with a lubricating strip, a trimmer blade, and a travel cover to Harry's rich, lathering shave gel. It all started when Harry's founders Jeff and Andy got tired of getting ripped off on blade prices. One big company in particular jacked their prices again and again, made a fortune while we spent a fortune. Jeff and Andy quickly discovered the problem, the middleman. So they bought their own factory, and that's the one that's been making blades for over 100 years so they can ship top-quality blades directly to you. The result, quality products at your door for half of what you're paying. And that's the Harry's story. Become a part of it. Go to harrys.com right now to try their new shave set free of charge. You just pay shipping. Sign up at uh, harrys.com slash B-A-N-D-C. And because you're a loyal listener to this podcast, Harry's will even throw in a free post-shave bomb. But only if you log on to harrys.com slash B-A-N-D-C. You're going to love it as much as I do. Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. Welcome back to our Thursday show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you remember uh, Tuesday, or no, it was it Saturday? MSNBC and all of the cable networks. It was wall to wall. They all carried Donald Trump's rally in uh, in Florida, and uh, and so it was one of those things where, of course, I have to tune in. This is part of my job to watch this crap. So I. I exactly. turn on that's, MSNBC. That's the reason I'm so fucking depressed all the time. <laughs> I know, me too. We're really hitting just the outer edge, and by we I mean me, hitting the outer outer edge of uh, of burnout with with Trump. I don't think I, I've never burned out, but the fact is that it's just getting to the point where I mean, last Thursday's show, I after last Thursday's show, I felt like I had run a marathon. I mean, I was physically exhausted keeping up with all of that crap that was going on on Thursday. So that's that's kind of what I'm facing. But so Saturday afternoon, I'm watching this, uh, getting ready to watch this rally, and I turn on MSNBC, and for God's sake, for like an hour and a half prior to the rally, the empty podium shot. The shot of the yeah, empty... Yeah, I hate that. I ne- I've never been a fan oh, of that. God. Let's go to an empty podium. Well, we're waiting. Oh, okay. And, you know, they were saying things like, look at these beautiful pictures. That's what some of the commentators on MSNBC at the time, certainly the uh, whoever the on-the-ground reporter was, talking on her phone, on her cell phone. So she, for some reason, they couldn't get a live feed. She's on her cell phone. She's talking to, I forget the name of the anchor who was, uh, who was running everything uh, on, uh, on Saturday, but telling this guy, uh, like, speaking to him as if it's the almost like the Hindenburg disaster, like, like she's covering 9-11 or something. The crowd is going wild. I'm seeing all kinds of ruckus. Everyone's going nuts. Everyone seems to be happy. And the anticipation, you can cut it like a knife. There is a palpable sense of electricity. I mean, just going off like that. And I'm like, what the f*** 
is going on? This I, and then watching this re- retrospective uh, uh, MSNBC special last night about Trump's first month in the White House, and just I, I yes, they had a lot of people, including conservatives, the usual MSNBC conservatives, David Frum, uh, Steve Schmidt, Rick Wilson. I mean, the the whole group, Nicole Wallace, all talking about Donald Trump in negative terms, but still in negative terms that. I, I don't know. It, it still felt like they weren't negative enough, given what we're all observing here. And we can't forget, because they were talking about like, oh, you know who it was? Leon Panetta was on, and he was saying something about, uh, you know, I was kind of relieved that uh, Donald Trump chose uh, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this, is, the, this is the psychology of it. It's almost yeah. like a Stockholm Syndrome yeah. type thing. You know, it's, it's uh, and there actually is a term for it, and I can't think of it, where you, you know, it, it's, everything is just so, it, it's almost like good cop, bad cop. Everything is so bad and so bad and so bad that the, the, the tiniest thing that looks like it might be okay yeah. just really wins you over. No, I know, I know, and that's just it. You Whether- know, the bar is set so low that every rare time that he goes above it just a tiny, tiny bit, and yep. in his case, it's probably going to be inadvertently. Like like we both said uh, on Tuesday, I'm pretty sure he hired H.R. McMaster because he liked the name. <laughs> That's right. Because okay, he would totally choose, like, uh, Lieutenant General Chest Rockwell if he could. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I mean, the other thing is, as long as Donald Trump doesn't choose the hamburger, you, you hear that, by the way, I, uh, I, you know, I gave I gave <laughs> Chest a call the other day. <laughs> Lieutenant General Chest Rockwell is the greatest general. Nobody, nobody has more respect for Lieutenant General Chest Rockwell. That's by the way, that's the name Donald of Trump. Show. That's the name of today's show. <laughs> Lieutenant General Chest Rockwell. <laughs> but, you know, as long as he doesn't pick the hamburger, everybody's going, woohoo. You know, everybody's like, "This is so great!" He just picked this guy, and he's a general. And God, someone said be, the guy, the general's good. So gun. awesome! I've I've decided Mayor McCheese <laughs> is going to be the the new ambassador to Sweden. Mayor McCheese has uh, is someone who's uh, who's accomplished quite a bit, and I'm glad he's getting uh, getting some real recognition. He's done he's done a, a lot of great things, wonderful things over there in McDonald Land. Mayor McCheese has done amazing, amazing things for McDonald Land. Now he's going to help make America great again. Very, very tremendous, Mayor McCheese. <laughs> his, his, record of, yep. his record of job creation he's in just McDonald like Frederick Land. Douglas. He's done, Mayor McCheese has done an amazing job. No one takes better care of his small fry ball pit. More like Mayor McCheese. <laughs> the ball pit. <laughs> Mayor McCheese is going to be the czar of the ball pit, the Trump ball pit, where Trump goes once a day to play around in the big vat of balls. <laughs> Jesus, God. God help us all. So why isn't MSNBC speaking in those terms, the same terms that we're using? Like, none of this should be happening. None, he shouldn't be and, president. And He's is, nowhere and, near being qualified as president. He's mentally unfit to be president. And this is what I'm talking about. This is the thing. This is what what makes me legitimately depressed. Like legitimately, like again, like I sat. Oh, I can't. Remember. Oh, I know what I was reading. I was reading about uh, James O'Keefe talking about how he's he's got like a hundred hours of video somehow from CNN, and I don't know whether it's on air or it's behind the scenes or whatever. You know that fucking twat is. Um, <laughs> And I'm and I'm reading it and I'm just going, 
their their whole thing is to bring down the responsible media, the media who actually maybe they make mistakes, but at least they bother to check things out. Right. You know, they bother to go through. They make the effort. And and they're out to they're you know they're going to try to discredit them and that's this whole thing and I'm sitting there going we have a president who's a moron we have a bunch of trolls who are trying to upend yeah. every institution that that we've that works because we have tried other ways yeah and we've gotten to this point and they're out to just oh, we're going to disrupt it and I'm just sitting there and literally when when that after I read that story last night and all of that came washing over me like <laughs> you know like a like a cold wave I got up and I walked to the to the kitchen and I grabbed a glass and my bottle of uh, wild turkey and I sat down and I started drinking <laughs> There you go because that and that happens all the time I'm like this yeah. is I don't know again going back to what I said last block I, I don't I don't how is this how does this resolve itself how does this get better yeah how, what rescues us from this fucking nightmare well the main thing that the, the press has got to do I mean already they're the enemy of Donald Trump so appeasing Donald Trump is never going to happen so why not go balls out with this why not call it what it is call it a crisis treat it like it's the 9/11 attack treat it like like Russia has invaded our sovereignty. This is and what they need to do with regard to Russia, by the way, is they need to start calling it a cyber attack. They need to start calling it cyber warfare. They, I mean, to, to, it needs right. to be on more militaristic at the, at the, terms. At the very least, don't you ever, you fuckers, <laughs> say leaked documents. They were hacked. They were stolen. Yes, that's right. They were hacked and they were they stolen. Leaked by, yeah, they were leaked by WikiLeaks, but they were stolen by the Russians. By the Russian intelligence services. At the behest of Vladimir Putin, who controlled all of it, and then who was also in constant contact with Trump's closest advisors, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Carter Page, Mike Flynn, you know, do the list, Felix Sater, the whole group has been consulting with Russia for more than a year now. Going as far back as just soon after Donald Trump announced his candidacy in June of 2015. We're almost up to June of 2017 at this point. And I feel like the rest of the world or the rest of America is just asleep at the switch. Just hmm, uh, United States still napping about this Russia thing. They screw. How are we going to trust? I mean, this is well-worn territory. I've said this before, so please indulge me. But when the next election starts up, how are we going to know? We haven't thought in those terms yet. When the midterms start occurring, how do we know what Russia is interfering with? How do they know if, how do we know if they're interfering with it? What, and God only, only knows what will happen in 2020. What kind of manipulation will they be up to at that point right. when the weapons have become much more sophisticated and the, uh, and the playing field is exclusively limited to just Democrats? Where it's really a, a giant pool of Democrats running for the presidency against Donald Trump. Where there is there are zero Republicans primary. Well, at least, I mean, who knows? Who knows if it's going to be against Donald Trump? Might be against Mike Pence. We don't know. But we, what we do know yeah. is that Vladimir Putin got away with it. Got away with it in 2016. He's going to get away with it again. Of He's going to at least try. And unless we really start to prioritize this issue the way it needs to be prioritized. And yeah, and that's exactly it. Do you not think that, that this is 
what we saw in 2016 is the the bar now. Yeah. It's that, that, that the example hasn't been set. Right. And that this is what's going to happen from here on out. Putin's going to decide, or maybe another country mm-hmm. is going to decide which candidate will work best for them, which one they want to see, who best serves their interest in the, in the interest of Putin, uh, uh, you know, in, in terms of Putin, who's going to basically bring down the United States. And they're going to work to thwart the election and throw it in that person's face. Oh, yeah. And you better believe they've already started to hack into Elizabeth Warren's uh, material. They're already starting yeah. to dox Elizabeth Warren, I'm sure. I'm sure that's the... Because they're, they're already starting... I saw an article yesterday where the Republicans are starting to gear up with the assumption that Elizabeth Warren is going to be, you know, the top, you know, one, two, three uh, candidates on the Democratic side in 2020. So they're already starting to look to that because they need an... Donald Trump always needs an enemy. And, of course, it's going to be Pocahontas around the clock. That's all we're going to hear. Yeah. But, of course, Russia is going to be interfering. We cannot. I mean, where are we when more than half the country is just asleep at the switch when it comes to the fact that Russia hijacked our election? And I'm not talking about necessarily the voting machines. I've always got to qualify that. But we still don't know. Could possibly be that way, but there hasn't been. I mean, there have been credible people in the intelligence community who haven't said who, who have actually said, "Well, we don't have any evidence of the uh, voting machines being hacked." But the fact of the matter is that they interfered with the entire tone and tenor of the entire campaign by not only manipulating voters but manipulating uh, uh, the, the news media. I mean, that's where it really came in. They hacked. Uh, at least a couple of play- they hacked the DNC, they hacked John Podesta, and they used those emails to uh, manipulate the press into distracting everyone from the real issue, which is that we have a mentally unfit, incompetent maniac running for president on the Republican side, and that was successfully obfuscated by using Russia as a weapon against the Democrats. I mean, uneffing believable. This is Watergate times a thousand. Tr- Chez and I have been saying this since June. It's about time that this really sunk in. And people started to really treat it. MSNBC, CNN, they need to have like the, the, the CG logos with the theme music. Uh, America under attack. Russia yeah. uh, cyber warfare. Dun, 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 dun. You know, something like that. And, and we don't, we're not seeing any yeah, of that. I mean, just, and again, you know, to, he, I, I feel bad because he kind of, uh, you know, he, he gets a rap for being hyperbolic and, and uh, melodramatic and all that. But Oberman's right. Oberman's right when he yeah. says we were invaded. We were invaded. He said, you know, I can't remember what show he was on where he said, I think it might have been real time, where he said the, the purpose of a war other than mm-hmm. gaining land uh, is to put, your, uh, to put your, your person in charge of that country. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly and right. that's exactly what putin did without firing a shot yeah yeah i mean it's basically an invasion putin engaged in, in an invasion i'm surprised uh i'm surprised uh keith overman didn't call him sir i remember the clip you're talking about but usually usually when keith overman gets going he starts out by going you sir yeah you know, sir are not allowed to invade our country shut the <laughs> hell up right so maybe eventually, maybe eventually we'll realize that a semi-hostile foreign power hijacked our election, our presidential election, and they're going to do it again. Sleep tight. All right. I got to talk about something really, really good now. And that's the watch I'm wearing on my wrist right now. It's not a digital watch. It's not a, it's, it's not an eye watch or whatever the hell they're wearing now. It's a... 
old school mechanical watch, and it is the finest watch I've ever owned. It's from movementwatches.com. That's mbmtwatches.com. And, and much less expensive than other watches of the same quality. I love that, too. It's a familiar story, but it's about a company that began much the same way as this podcast began. But this story is about a couple of college students who wanted the kind of stylish watches they're seeing on others, but like a lot of college students, they were broke. Nothing that stylish with any quality was affordable. A little research showed them that a quality that quality and fashion don't have to be expensive if you cut out the middleman and sell directly to you online. So little by little, they started their own watch company in much the same way we started this show. Even the company's name is high fashion, MBMT for movement. People will ask you about your movement watch with its classic design, minimalist style, and quality construction. I get compliments on my Calypso watch every damn day. These are watches that would sell at a department store for $400 to $500, but movement makes them yours starting at just $95 with free shipping and free returns. That's why Movement is the world's fastest-growing watch company, with now over a million sold in over 160 countries around the world. And because you listen to this podcast, you get another 15% off that already amazing price. Just go to mbmtwatches.com slash Bob and Chez. That's one word, Bob and Chez. Be like us, join the movement, mbmtwatches.com slash Bob and Chez. Shove Bob and Chez into your pants and haul them around with you wherever you go. Subscribe to the Bob and Chez Show in the podcast section on iTunes. And the second half of today's show is brought to you by the BobSeska.com Amazon link. If you shop at Amazon, enter the site using our link just beneath the logo at BobSeska.com. We get a small commission from everything you buy. It costs you nothing and helps support the show. The month is almost over, so we have a little bit, little ways to go still until we hit our quota at Amazon.com. So please go shopping at Amazon.com using our link. Thank you in advance for that. Uh, here's how Trump spent his first month in office. By the oh, numbers. The breakdown? Oh, yeah. The, the breakdown of how he spent his time <laughs> in the White House is like, uh, 20. Was it 25 percent at uh, Mar-a-Lago? Yeah. Here's the uh, kind of this running through some of the uh, the time spent in this uh, pie chart here. Uh, let's see. Foreign relations. He spent 21 hours. Intelligence briefings. He spent six hours. Uh, Mar-a-Lago or at clubs nearby. 24.3 uh, percent of his time was spent there uh golf 25 hours other work 39 hours non-work time 293 hours <laughs> tweeting hours 13 13 hours spent tweeting it's astonishing compare that with his intelligence briefings at six hours so donald trump spent more time tweeting than he spent in intelligence briefings yeah which he should he should spend <laughs> do you know how, how much time he should spend tweeting Zero. <laughs> Zero. Exactly. Zero. 744 hours Donald Trump has been president. We've got something, I don't know, 40-something more months to go if he serves out his term. I still don't think he's going to be impeached. I think, uh, if anything else, there'll be uh, some sort of forced resignation. But, you know, I think it's I think it's healthy, even though we are feeling burned out, we're, we're feeling fried with this Donald Trump tennis ball machine. I, I think... We need to get it. We need to prepare ourselves to to the reality that you know he's going to survive for four years. He's going to be president for, for four years, a full four year term, 
and that there's going to be a campaign that's going to involve Donald Trump and that there's going to be a campaign that not only involves Donald Trump, but involves Vladimir Putin, which is horrifying. Again, why isn't the, the sense of or the I guess the lack of urgency when it comes to a president who spent 13 hours tweeting, but only six hours in intelligence briefings? Combine that with all of the other crap. The leaks are real, but the reporting is fake. I mean, everything. How is it not just complete over-the-top panic button time at every major press outlet? Like, and I just, I guess people are just waiting. They're, they're waiting because they don't know if the other shoe is going to drop. They don't want to seem like they're leaning on the panic button yet if suddenly things work out okay and then they look like idiots for saying that things are going to be terrible. But how can they not end up being terrible on some level? I mean, things are already bad now with the Trump presidency. Things are already destabilized. People are, I mean, he's got his guys going around to other countries saying, ah, you know what he said? What Donald Trump said? Ah, never mind. (laughs) Don't listen to what he said. Think the opposite. Do the think about the opposite of what Donald Trump said. That's we're what Mike Pence got. We're doomed. I know. We're so doomed, dude. Right. You know, I'm gonna hold it. Give me a second. I'm gonna go grab my bottle of wild turkey. <laughs> so, uh, so that's that. And you know, speaking of Mike Pence, Mike Pence has been acting like an utter effing demon when it comes to Obamacare lately. Here's a couple of things he tweeted just yesterday. This is now Mike Pence is tweeting. I'll bet he has incoming tweets set to vibrate. <laughs> right. Mm. Mike Pence commenting. How do you, however you say that via Twitter, however you write that out, that's what I he know. said. Jesus Christ. So here's I, love, I love how Mike Pence is basically the teacher from Peanuts. That's us. right. Wah, 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 wah. And that, that translates to, uh, you hear Mike Pence say this. Mm. That's, mm. That right there, that was Mike Pence saying, never mind what Trump said. Listen like, to me, goddammit. Like, it's like I am Groot. Only Rocket can understand him. <laughs> like exactly somewhere like his wife, like he, he talks like that and his wife totally gets what he's saying. Like, oh, yeah, no, you, no I understand. How was your day, honey? How was your day, Mike? <laughs> that's <laughs> Oh, that's so lovely. Well, I wouldn't take that either if I were you. <laughs> so here's what Mike Pence tweeted about Obamacare yesterday. He went on this tear about uh, the ACA yesterday. He said... The Obamacare nightmare is about to end. Despite the best efforts of liberal activists around the country, America knows Obamacare's failed. Jesus Christ, what bull! It it's, isn't a failure. It's Watch not. again, and and you know, and this is this is the screwed up thing. Uh, no, I know. Why do I even bother? I know. You know, honestly, <laughs> go, go why get your wild seriously, no, seriously, I don't mean to be defeatist, but yeah. you know, I remember Fox News just touting these Tea Party rallies. America is speaking. Mm. Arr, arr, yeah, you know, America is standing up for you know, standing up to this tyranny, and and meanwhile, you've got all of these people going to these these town hall meetings and just shouting down. The Republicans. Yeah. And that's just, we're just not going to pay attention. Exactly. La, 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 not listening. And then did you see what uh, Donald Trump tweeted? I mean, it was just staggering. He said yesterday on Twitter, he said, the so-called angry crowds in home districts of some Republicans are actually, in numerous cases, planned out by liberal activists. Sad. Actually, yeah, no Yeah, no I mean, shocker that activists would actually engage in activism. 
they're planned out. They got out of there. They left their homes, drove there. There are organizers saying, hey, here's a good way to say that. Oh, here, by the way, here's a sign to hold up. Yeah, this shocker. This is some sort of egregious trespass against democracy that liberal activists are actually, you know, engaging in activism. It's all, it's all the fault of Soros. But he makes it sound like being an activist is somehow nefarious. Like the, he's conflating being an activist with being paid to go and do these rallies, which right. there is exactly zero, yeah. zero evidence of that happening. Exactly zero evidence. But that never stops Donald Trump. Meanwhile, Mike Pence also tweeted, Obamacare will be replaced with something that actually works, bringing freedom and individual responsibility back to American health care. So what, like a 12-year-old diabetic kid is not uh, responsible? <laughs> they somehow have to show some sort of personal initiative to get health care for themselves, affordable health care. Is that the way it works, Mr. Vice President? Mm. The fact of the matter is that Obamacare is more popular than Trump. Sorry. Sorry, Trumpers. Obamacare, more popular than Trump. So why can't we just repeal and replace Trump? How about that? Latest CNN polls got uh, Obamacare at 49% approval, 47% disapproval. And the thing I have about the poll, actually, you know what? I'm going to take one last break, and then I want to go off about these goddamn stupid-ass polls about Obamacare right after these words. After months of intensive study with the top linguists of our time in preparation for our Mardi Gras ad, we admit our Cajun accent isn't finely honed. But that won't stop us from telling you about our awesome Mardi Gras soap. Try our Fay Dodo Fleur de Lis soap on a beaded Mardi Gras rope. It smells like pralines and cream. Or our King for a Day King Cake soap. Each cinnamony slice comes with its own baby. So, we'll let the Cajuns do what they do best, and we'll stick with what we do best. Make awesome, vegan-friendly soap. Laissez les bons temps rouler! BubbleGenius.com This is the Bob and Chez Show with Bob Seska and Chez Pazienza, presented by BubbleGenius.com. I'm not quite sure what the Bubble Genius ladies meant by uh, the Mardi Gras soap coming with their own baby. <laughs> it comes with a baby? What? I don't know. Okay. You know what I'm really craving if somebody out there, some some fine listener from the uh, from the great city of New Orleans, wants to do it for me. I've been craving turtle soup. Oh, really? Turtle soup? Yeah. I had a, a ton of that when we shot in uh, New Orleans uh, a few months back. What does turtle and taste like? What does turtle meat taste it's like? Awesome. Oh my god, with Chicken. sherry. Oh, like oh. I, like I've had it before, but just going back and and being able to eat it a few times, just. Oh, it's amazing. I envision it being... And oddly, it's like... I mean, I'm sure I could probably find Turtle online and Taryn could make it for me. I've talked to her about it. Put Mitch McConnell in some soup and have that. How about that? Horrible. Uh, But yeah, I mean, does it taste chewy? What's the consistency of it? Is it more like... No, uh, because what they do is they chop it up up really finely. Uh, Well, there you go. Because I imagine any reptilian meat being somewhat uh, chewy and kind of weird. Weird weird mouthfeel. What's the mouthfeel like? It's, I mean, look, it's delicious. And, and again, it's like they put, you know, they put a little bit of sherry in it. It's, Mouthfeel. Oh, it's freaking wonderful. All right. So here's my issue with uh, polling on Obamacare. 
Only 20 million Americans have Obamacare. Why are we polling all of America in terms of what they think about Obamacare? I mean, I, I get the fact that it's something that everyone, to some degree, pays into with their taxes. So they do get some say in it. But how do you approve of something that you don't have, that you're unaware of? Most, of, most Americans, most adult Americans, have insurance through their employer. Very few have insurance policies through an Obamacare marketplace or through uh, the Medicaid expansion, which, by the way, uh, people with, uh, with health care because of the Medicaid expansion, hang on tight because you're first on the chopping block, unfortunately. But here's the thing. This is, it annoys me. When I see a, a poll number like 49% of people, of, of Americans approve of Obamacare, but you actually got to look at the polls that show how many people, what's the percentage of approval for people who actually have Obamacare? That number is more like 90%, more like in the 85 to 90% range. And that's the really important one. By the way, a brand new uh, NBC News, oh, this is my favorite polling outfit, My <laughs> the brand new NBC News survey monkey poll. <laughs> that, that was a survey monkey. The survey monkey. Uh, found that uh, 43% of Americans polled approve of the job performance of Donald Trump. disapprove. Elsewhere, same poll, a survey of 11,000 Americans found that approval for the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, has climbed to 52%, while disapproval has fallen to 45%. So Obamacare, more popular than Donald Trump. 52% approval rating for Obamacare. But what do we got to do? We got to repeal it. Why? Because of the word Obama in Obamacare. Yeah. And because, what- because as we've said several times, their goal is to, is to wipe the Obama years clean. That's, that's exactly all. Right. That's yep. why the Republicans got on this f***ing horror show of a ride. Hell yeah. Because Trump would allow them to wipe, wipe Obama's legacy clean. That's right. And no one has a bigger hard on for Barack Obama than Donald Trump ever since yeah. that. Uh, and you know, that sh- should the Republicans not learn their lesson and they stay this way, this resentful pack of howler monkeys um, years from now, uh, 10, not even God, probably not even more than 10 years from now, when Obama's name starts showing up on, you know, destroyers, <laughs> aircraft yeah. carriers, uh, you know, schools, that kind of thing. Mm hmm. You know, when they start making a move to put him on a on a coin somewhere. That's right. They're, they're just watching them lose their minds is going to be awesome. Oh, what, I know. I can't remember what uh, – what uh, there was a Call of Duty game. Uh, I think it was uh, Black Ops 2 mm-hmm. where um, – uh, where David Petraeus was the Secretary of Defense in it, and wow. the name of the aircraft carrier was the Obama, which I kind of love. <laughs> that that is it's really supposed, awesome. It's supposed to take place in like 2026 or something like that, and I I remember just loving that. Like, yeah. oh yes, yeah. Well, there there will be statues. There will be uh, in the future. There will be memorials. I mean, exactly. Barack Obama will go down as an historic figure, uh, not just f- for being the first black president. That's horse. Anyone who says that the only thing he'll be remembered for is being a black president. Well, that's nonsense. He's got a, a list of, of legislative and personal achievements a mile long. Right. Inside and, the once, and once history gives once, uh, um, you know, memory gives way to history, 
what you're going to see is, first of all, you're going to see, because it's cynical and this is how the Republicans always work, you're going to see the same thing that they did with Bill Clinton. You're going to see them say, like, whoever the next Democratic president happens to be, oh, you know what? He's not like Barack Obama. Yeah. Barack Obama <laughs> is someone who reached across the aisle. Right. He's someone we respected. Yeah. That kind of crap. They did the same. Yeah, you're exactly right. They did the same thing with Bill yeah, Clinton. And he'll, and he'll become historic in the same way that, uh, you know, that Reagan was. Oh, yeah. That Reagan is. I mean, there was even praise at some points in time during the Obama presidency for Hillary Clinton. I mean, yeah. it, it, was, it was amazing the turnaround, what happens when an election starts. Of course. Uh, oh, you know what's fascinating? Did you just out of, out of nowhere, did you happen to read the, because uh, Richard Spencer, that fucking Nazi. Yes, yeah. He booted out of CPAC. Uh, CPAC. Yeah. And he fired off a tweet that said, uh, Reagan is dead. We killed him. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, is, that's because they desperately want to take over the conservative yeah. movement. It's just that's fascinating to me because, again, uh, just think think for a second about guys like Sean Hannity mm, who yeah. just who they 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 will make any excuse for this idiot movement that their their clown, you know, their clown God is the head of the, you know, the de facto head of. And yet. The worst of the worst among that group is saying to to is basically saying that Reagan, fuck Reagan, is what he's saying, and it's like, Jesus. how do these people deal with that? Yeah. How do the how do the traditional even not even God not even traditional traditional conservatives are like Buckley conservatives, mm -hmm. but even the the recent modern Tea Party type conservatives who just worship just sucked Reagan's dick. Yeah, how in the hell are they justifying all of this? Yeah, well, that's just the thing. I mean, I think Reagan in in modern parlance, Reagan would be considered a liberal. I think they just want. I think they want to remake the whole goddamn thing. Absolutely. And uh, and I think they're they're resentful over the fact that uh, Reagan is sort of this old guard hero, and uh, and they want to start things on a new foot. They they just they don't want the uh, the wise old men anymore. The conservative movement. They want to start their own their own thing. And it's not going to work out that way. I just got news for you. It's going to fail. It's going to fail. And it's already starting to fail. In fact, as you were saying uh, about uh, Richard Spencer, Richard Spencer was kicked out of CPAC. So he's oh, not, even, not even there anymore. I mean, oh, I, good. I see. This shows you. Again, the news cycle was that the, the uh, 33 episode of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, you know. Uh, you know, I think we're looking at the beginning and the end of this uh, alt-right nonsense. I think the Republicans need to figure out a way to cut bait with these guys and just uh, try to try to get back on some firmer ground. I mean, I'm not... I'm maybe 10% of the way there as far as the odds of that going, but uh, you never know. They, they did embrace the Tea Party. The Tea Party was uh, centered around more traditionally conservative values so that's that was a little easier to do i don't know if they're gonna jettison these bastards oh by the way one last note about obamacare uh former speaker of the house john boehner said on thursday the that the idea that congress would completely repeal and replace the affordable care act was quote unquote happy talk and not going to happen so there's some good news boehner was speaking at a health care conference in orlando according to politico quote republicans never ever agree on health care he said Boner was a reliable voice. Boner. Boehner was a reliable voice for repeal and replace for years. Republicans are fighting to repeal so we can start over with common sense reforms that get health care reform right. But now it's and like... Then, and then he swirled, he swirled his single ice cube in his bourbon glass, took a big <laughs> sip, and then started crying. <laughs> for the American people, uh, 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 see the children. 
I see a little trouble. A little trouble. I can't help it. It's their crime for the American people. All right, that is today's show. We'll see you again on the after party. Postmortem shows coming up next. Patreon.com slash Bob and Shows. We'll see you over there, folks. Bye bye. <laughs>